Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. We're in a series on the book of Proverbs called Foolproof, and uh, we're talking about uh, wisdom and the, the number one hit, so to speak, when it comes to Proverbs uh, is, has to do with speech and words. Uh, that's the most, the most frequently uh, talked about topic in the book of Proverbs. Um, a lot of you know I grew up in boarding school, um, and I, I went when I was pretty young, and then I get to middle school, sixth grade. Uh, the academic bar at that school was pretty high, and if I was a high jumper, I was knocking the bar off the standard quite a bit. Uh, many of my teachers were very gracious. I had a couple teachers that um, uh, were, you know, were, were challenged by me. One of my teachers, who did not uh, appreciate me so much, gave me a nickname. Uh, it was a nickname, Pigpen. And remember Charlie Brown and the character Pigpen? Yeah, kind of the, the mess that sort of traveled uh, with, with Pigpen. That's what she called me in class. Uh, that, was my, that was basically my name. And before you feel sorry for me, she was pretty correct on that. Uh, I, I, I did make a mess of a lot of things. I had a nickname for her as well. It was Corella DeVille. But <laughs> I didn't say that out loud because I was already spending enough time in the principal's office. Um, but you know, so school was hard and you know, getting through that, those, 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 those classes was pretty tough. But there was something in the afternoon that, kind of, that it got me through the day. It was sports. In middle school, at that boarding school, you got assigned to in these intramural teams. And in the afternoon, you would play volleyball or soccer or basketball or softball. And there was something about that that just was life-giving to me. I, I anticipated those, those times. I, I look forward to those times. And, um, and, and when we play those games, one of the staff at, at, that, at that school, his name was Woody Stemple. He was a missionary in Vietnam. And this was the era of Vietnam War. And he and his wife, Shar, came out of Vietnam. And were, he was the chaplain at our school. And uh, Uncle Woody, we called everybody aunt and uncle or sir and ma'am in boarding school, uh, but Uncle Woody would come to the games, he would sit on the bleachers or sit on the side of the field, he'd have his notebook, and he would take notes of what was happening on the soccer field or who scored a goal or who scored a basket in, uh, in the basketball game or who hit a home run. And he'd write like this mini little news article. And then what he would do is after the game was over, he would go type it up in his office and he would post his little recap of the day's sporting events for middle schoolers on this bulletin. And um, I would go back and take my shower after playing sports and, and head to dinner and I would always stop by that bulletin board. I'd always stop by because I was hungry for a good word. I wanted to see if maybe my name was in his little article. I may have been pig pen in the morning, but maybe in the afternoon there was some hope for me. Um, and I, lo- I, loved, I loved seeing my name. I loved it when he would say something positive about me in his little recap article. I was starving for a good word. And you know what? Many of you are starving for a good word. You need to hear a good word. Um, you need to hear a word. In fact, I want you to think for a moment. Think back in time to when someone spoke to you and said something encouraging. Think back, someone spoke a good word to you. It was life-giving. You you think back, it may have been many, many years ago where some boy, they said this to me and that, they have no idea how powerful that was for me. Can you think of of someone, someone saying that to you? Raise your hand if you can think of someone. Keep your hand up now because I just want to do a little, little check on this. Okay, get your hand up. Someone said something encouraging to you. If that was spoken to you over 10 years ago, keep your hand up. 
I got a six-year-old up in the balcony. He's got his hand, that's, that's right. Four, okay, even before he was born. Words of promise over him. Okay, keep your hand up. Now, how, how many, over 20 years ago, someone spoke, okay, look, look around, this is, per, 30 years ago? More than 30 years? Okay, so you still got hands up? 40 years? 50 years ago? Still got, we still got hands up. This is amazing. This really is amazing. I was talking to a guy last night after the five o'clock service, and he said, you know, I, when you were doing this, I was thinking to myself, when did this, he said, 55 years to the day, last night, someone told, he, he had a 1.6 GPA in school, and someone walked up to him and said, young man, you have a life of promise. There's poten- I see potential in you. That guy, many of you would know his name. He, he's been a successful leader in our city. And, and 55 years ago, someone, isn't it amazing that we can remember words like that? Now, we can do the other side, too. I'm sure you could hear some discouraging words. Remember those, and you'd know when they were spoken. And the thing is, is that when we speak these kind of words, we forget them, but people remember them. And friends, you need to hear a life-giving word. You need to hear a healing word. Now, Proverbs speaks very clearly to this. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Uh, Sarah read this verse. Uh, the, The tongue has the power of life and death, meaning that you can speak a word of life or you can speak a word of death. And this is not an exaggeration. You can actually speak a word that will, will cause a destroying of the spirit. You can wound somebody significantly. You can also speak a, a life-giving word. And interestingly enough, it says, and those who love it will eat his fruit. Those who love to talk, those who love words will eat his fruit. There's just like this word hunger. And we, we consume these words like you need water, like you need air, like you need food. You need a good word. You need to hear a good word. Um, now, one of the classes I did pay attention to in school was, uh, was, was home ec. I went to that class because they did like food. Go figure. I mean, I remember that, that, that class. And remember how they talked about the, the basic food groups? You, you know about the basic food groups? It used to be seven. Now there's like four. Maybe there's five now. Um, and you know that you need to eat from each of the basic food groups to have nutrition and to live a healthy life. Um, and people kind of poke fun at that sometimes. Like here's a comic, uh, the Archie comic. Uh, remember Jughead? I believe in the four basic food groups, chewies, gooies, munchies, and crunchies. Um, some of you are like, I, dude, you're old. You know Jughead and Archie. I'd never heard of him before. But here, here's, a, here's Buddy the Elf, just to kind of get a little more current. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups, candy, candy canes, corn, I mean, candy corn, and, and syrup. I, I almost said corn syrup, but that would kind of not be so good. Um, now, so here's, we talk about hearing a good word, we, we, don't, we don't need sweet talk. We don't, know, we don't need to hear insincere, meaningless words. There's actually, and the book of Proverbs is going to speak that we need different kinds of words that are life-giving to us. I mean, if, you put the, if we put the, four, the, the basic food groups up there, you got fruit, grain, vegetables, protein, you got dairy. You, you need a well-balanced diet of words um, spoken to you, and you need to, you need to eat the fruit. You need to consume these because you, you're hungry for a good word. People are hungry for a good word. We, we don't need, you know, this syrupy sweet talk. You remember Barney? That's all we can take. Turn it off, Todd. Turn it off. Right? Because 
if that's what we're gonna hear constantly, we'll all die of verbal diabetes. We can't, we can't take that. We need, we need a good, healthy um, diet of good words that are spoken to us. And it's not sweet talk, it's not insincere, it's not meaning, it's meaningful. So what I wanna do is in the time I got left, I just wanna work my way through some basic food groups of words, words that you need to hear, words, words that'd be really healthy for you to consume. Uh, and, and I'll just talk some, just a, a practical thing that we can do with that. So let's just dive right in. Proverbs 15 verse four says, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Um, and what we're talking about here is deception lies. And here's just a category. If you're gonna have a food group for words, it would be this, um, it, it's coming, there we go. It's truthful words rather than deceptive. We need to hear the truth. We, we don't need to hear the technical truth, we need to hear the whole truth. You know what I mean by, by saying the technical truth? Like we, we, we say things are technically true, but um, we leave out some stuff. And um, well, Billy Graham is doing crusades a lot of years ago. He was in stadiums. He was in the state of Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, Husker Stadium. And, um, and he's doing a crusade there. And the, there's 50,000 people are going to show up for this crusade. And the governor of Nebraska pulls some strings to get his wife to, to sing a, a solo at the Billy Graham crusade. She's always wanted to sing at a Billy Graham crusade. And so he pulls some strings to get her to sing. The problem is she can't sing. She does, not, she does not have a good voice. But he pulls the strings and she's singing at this crusade and she's singing right before Billy Graham is gonna speak. She's gonna sing Amazing Grace and it's not gonna be amazing. Okay, so she gets up and sing. If you ever heard someone sing a solo, maybe in church or maybe it's at a, a, a maybe it's a school or wherever it is. You ever heard a solo that's, that's sung by someone and you're just like embarrassed for them? Or maybe it's like you just can't wait to be, for this to be over. That it kind of feels like the tribulation and you're just wondering when Jesus is going to return. And um, it just, that's, that's kind of how it went. And Billy Graham has to preach after this. So she finishes singing Not So Amazing Grace. Billy Graham comes up, puts his Bible on the pulpit, stands next to the pulpit and says, friends, there's not another voice like that in all the state of Nebraska. <laughs> Technically true. Technically true, right? And I don't fault him for handling it that way at that moment. Um, but oftentimes, it isn't, have you ever watched American Idol? I love watching when it was kind of going. I love the first few episodes of American Idol because that's where the best scenes take place. You get someone who comes in, who auditions before, remind you, auditions before professionals, professional artists, musicians, and they're singing and the artists say, yeah, you're not making it to the next round. You can't sing. And this person will say to them, are you kidding me? I can sing. And the judges who who have, you know, they've cut records. They, they, they know what they're doing. They're saying, no, no, you can't. Yes, I can. And they are adamant that they can. And they actually will tell them off sometimes. And why would they do that? Because mom and dad and brother and sister and coworker and friend and everyone says, has not had the heart to say, you, you can't sing. But they've told them that you can. And what, here's what's happened. Here's what happened. When someone does not hear the truth, a false reality is created. And if you're living with a false reality, you are going to make some very foolish decisions. 
And so one of the very basic food groups of words that you need to hear and consume is the truth. You need an accurate picture of who you are. Now, this actually leads in very well to the next kind of basic food group. Um, Back to Proverbs 15, verse one. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentleness turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs it up. Something is sparked in our emotions. And a category for for the second uh, food group would be this. We need a good word. We need to hear the truth, but we need to hear it. It needs to be kind and gentle words rather than harsh. We need to hear a kind word. Yes, we need to hear the truth. But we need to hear the truth in such a way that it's gentle and it's kind. And you can always tell when there's a gentle and kind person who's trying to speak the hard truth because what, what, you, will, what you will observe is as, it's almost as painful for them to speak this to you as it is for you to hear it. You can tell someone who really cares about you, who's, who's trying to be very gentle because there's an anguish in them as they try to say, Hey, I just, I just need to tell you this. We need this. What we don't need is a harsh word because what that will do, instead of making something hearable, we'll, do, we'll just, anger will rise and we will not hear anything. So yes, we need to hear the truth, but it needs to be delivered in a gentle, kind way. Let's we'll keep moving here. Here's a, here's, a, here's a third food group for us. Proverbs 25, verse 11. Like golden apples. Here we go again. Words being compared to fruit. Like golden apple set in silver is a word spoken at the right time. Here's our category for us. Apt speech rather than careless. We need apt or a word aptly spoken. This is about timing. This is about a word delivered at the right time. The golden apples and the silver setting thing, that's about craftsmanship, which means... Someone has taken the time to craft a conversation. They've thought carefully about how to say something, whether maybe it's a, maybe it's a corrective word, maybe it's an encouraging word. There's this, there's this craftsmanship, an adapted word that will speak life into you. The timing is right. Some of you have had a conversation with someone who's tried to speak a good word. It was true, it was gentle, it's just the timing was horrible. They, they didn't remember that you lost your job. They didn't remember that, you know, that a diagnosis was given. They, the timing was just awful. So these are the kind of words you need to receive. You, you need to hear the truth. It needs to be gentle. It needs to be at the right time. And I'm just kind of rushing through those because I want to spend a little more time in this fourth category. I've just got two more. Here's, here's the fourth one. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless words actually jab and stab. There's, a, there's an emotional wound that takes place. There's a wound to the spirit that comes from a reckless word. Ah, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Where there has been a wound, maybe where there has been a jab and a stab, the, the wise speak a word that actually binds up that wound. A lot of years ago, when, uh, when Trina and I were living in Hood River, Oregon, I was, I was working in a business there, a manufacturing company, and I was processing what would turn out to be a call to pastoral ministry. I didn't have a Bible degree, um, and I had no plans of ever being a pastor, yet this is what God was doing. And, and I was processing it a bit in my church, who, by the way, at that time didn't have a pastor. 
And as I shared that, there was a section of the church. I was, I was a leader in the church as well. I was the chairman of the board um, as we were looking for a, a new pastor. And I shared it with, with leaders, and some of the church heard about it. And there was a section of the church that just did, didn't want anything to do with that. They didn't want me to be their pastor. And I, didn't, I wasn't intent on pastoring that local church. I would go anywhere that God would send me if this pastoral ministry call was true. But some of those folks who, who certainly didn't want me to, to be pastor made it known. One time, I got a call at 12.30 in the morning. Um, woke Trina and I up, I answered the phone, and someone on the other end of the line said some not-so-good words to me um, about, about my potential and qualifications and all that stuff. I actually just had to hang up. It was pretty, pretty strong. I was leading a board meeting at the church about you know, going through resumes to, to find out who the next pastor might be, and someone barged in the meeting and just told me off and just you know, let me know how, uh, how I, was, I was so wrong on, on, on my processing of a call to pastoral ministry. So th there was conflict in the church, and I'm trying to lead the church to this and kind of process my, my own uh, pastoral ministry call. Um, and at that time, uh, as we were in this interim period between pastors, our district or our field appointed an interim pastor. His name was Don Bubna. Now Don, some of you know Don, some of you don't. Don and Dee um, were lead pastors here at Salem Alliance a lot of years ago. And frankly, Salem Alliance wouldn't be what it is without their leadership. Uh, they led here very, very well. Don was the lead, he was the, he was the interim in this time, and uh, we got to the point where we hired a pastor, and so this was a great moment for the church, I'm still processing my call, there, I'm still getting kind of the negative feedback, and I'm getting, I'm getting affirming feedback as, as well, but um, we're doing an installation service, which means uh, the church is going to officially install this new pastor, and Don asks me if I will do a charge or, or talk for a little bit to the congregation about how to receive this new pastor, and he will give a charge to the new pastor who's coming. So I said, okay, great. So I do my thing, and I talk for a little bit about, about how to receive this new pastor, and I'm walking off the platform to go take my seat in the front row, and Don steps up, and before he does his charge to the new pastor, he says, uh, he says this, and this is exactly how Don, Don spoke. He just kind of spoke in slow, measured kind of words. He said, Steve, you are going to be a wonderful senior pastor. That was over 20 years ago, and I remember where I was sitting in that church. I remember how powerful that word was to me, how healing that word, that was a good word. That was a life-giving word to me and to Trina. And friends, You've been jabbed and stabbed. And you need a healing word. You need a good word. A life-giving word. Not sugary-coated Barney-like. You need a sincere, meaningful word spoken to you that brings healing and life. And when those words are spoken, you will never forget. It could be 50 years ago. Amen. Last, thanks. Last, uh, la last, last category. This, this verse is pretty straightforward. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Okay? This probably doesn't apply to you, but I'm just gonna cover it anyways. Here's, here's, the, here's the grouping we got for it. Careful speech rather than impulsive. We need careful speech rather than impulsive words. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of talk these days. There's a lot of words being spoken 
There's a lot of words being typed and emailed or texted. There are a lot of posts going up on social media. And what, what the writer of Proverbs is saying is when there's a lot of words going on, sin is not absent. When there's a lot of posts, when there's a lot of typing, sin is not absent. And then the wisdom writer says in just very blunt terms, keep your mouth shut. I didn't say that, the, writer, the wisdom writer said that, right? Now, here's the deal. Some of us are very self-aware. Others of us are not so self-aware. So we're already thinking about, okay, I, you know, who can I forward the link to this sermon on from live stream so they can hear this because I sure don't need to hear it. So let me just kind of create a moment for us so we could find out, you know, maybe there's something for us here. Maybe we need to hear less words. You remember Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian, who helped people discover if they were a redneck or not? He, he crafts sentences like this one, if you've ever made change in the offering plate, you might be a redneck. You may, you may be a redneck if your lifetime goal is to own a fireworks stand. You, you might be a redneck if your wife tells you to move the, transition out of the bath, transmission out of the bathtub so she can take a bath. Uh, let me just kind of create a few scenarios for you. And maybe this whole idea of keeping our mouths shut or zipping it is something that would be for us. So if, if people often shush you at the movies, you should probably stop talking. <laughs> you may need to zip it. If you say something direct to someone or about someone and then end it by saying, I'm just saying. If you begin a Facebook post that begins with, I don't usually say things like this on Facebook. <laughs> or you type the letters T-B-H-I-M-H-O. To be honest, in my humble opinion, you, you may need to keep your mouth shut. If you're a coach or parent and you are screaming across a basketball court at a nine-year-old who has just missed a layup, you definitely need to zip it. If your friends are often saying to you, I've heard this story before, you, you, you may be talking too much. If you say things on social media that you would never say face to face, you definitely need to stop talking. Jesus said these words in, the, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 12, verse 36. He says, um, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. It's a frightening verse for me. And perhaps some of us need to write Matthew 12, 36 and put it on our computer screen. Or wallpaper on your phone or anywhere where it helps us to understand that less is probably going to be more. And some of us, when it comes to our talking, our typing, our posting, just need to plain knock it off. Because people need to hear a good word. It doesn't mean that, we, that we're deceptive. They, 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 people need to hear the truth, but gently. Timing's good. It needs to be a healing word, not a jab and stab. Now, let, me, let me just wrap up here. I'm taking you to Genesis 1. Genesis tells us that before creation, that the earth was formless and void. What, what literally is saying, it's chaotic and it's empty. 
And how does God create? Does God create the heavens and the earth by snapping his finger and mountains appear and rivers show up? Does God decide he's going to create the heavens, he's going to create the stars simply by using his brain power, his brain waves, he's going to, he's got to kind of make things happen? No, he doesn't snap his fingers, he doesn't think things into being, he speaks them into creation. He speaks to the chaos and the chaos is transformed. He speaks to what is empty or what is, what is, what is void and it, it is filled and it's with his words that creation takes place and could it be that into our culture today that is full of chaos and full of emptiness that instead of speaking words that belittle or try and argue or debate not that there's not a place for for debate but maybe perhaps what God is calling us to is to speak a life-giving word into the chaos and watch something creative and transformative take place by the spirit of God Could it be that simply that through less words or good words that actually bring healing that God might accomplish his purposes in us so much though as we receive those that they naturally flow out of us because Jesus did say, out of the fullness of your heart, the mouth speaks. You can see each other's hearts. It's really easy. Just read a post or listen to someone talk. Could it be that the chaos that we're confronted with will be healed and transformed as we receive good words from one another and as we speak these life-giving words to our country, to our state, and to our city, to our world? And could the creative work of the spirits be simply by us seeing promise in one another? We, we, We don't need Barney. We need sincere, meaningful words of promise spoken to us and we will never forget them. One last question. Who in your life needs to hear a life-giving word? Who in your sphere of influence needs to hear a life-giving word today? Let's just, let's bow our heads and, and close our eyes and just process that one. Jesus, who, who, who are you calling us to speak a life-giving word to? For some in the room, Lord, they're having a hard time thinking about that because they need a life-giving word. So for the person who's ashamed, thank you, Lord, that you have taken that shame away, you've paid for it, and you don't see it. You see beauty, you see promise. For the person who's self-talking themselves right now, saying, you don't know me, you don't know my past, you don't know what I've done. I don't, but he does. And he likes you. We need a good word, Lord. Many in here are starving for a good word. May life-giving words, healing words be spoken all around this place into our city and our state and nation and our world. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. 
You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.